So Renee, I'm excited to have you on the Pro-Life Team podcast. Would you introduce yourself as if you were speaking to a small group of Pricey Clinic um, executive directors? Sure. Thank you so much for having me on today. And yes, I, my name is Renee Kitchen. I'm the executive director for If Not For Grace Ministries. And If Not For Grace um, is primarily a ministry that serves women and men and families who have been impacted by abortion. So we do that in a number of many different ways. Um, I've been involved since 2017. I came on as a volunteer. Um, and then the Lord quickly captured my heart for the people that we serve. And in 2019, came on as the executive director. And I can't begin to tell you um, the ways it's impacted and changed my life, nor was I prepared for a global pandemic and running a nonprofit ministry. But God has been really faithful and good to us through the whole um, change up in our world. And it's actually opened many doors. Um, so um, like I said, I've been involved with the ministry for about five years. I am a wife of 21 years. I am a mother of four. I have one in college down to one in fifth grade. So pretty busy mom on top of doing this job. And then on top of this job as well, I am a worship director in our local community at a church here. Our sponsor is Heritage House. Heritage House provides over 1,500 resources and tools for the pro-life movement, from fetal models to yard signs to the precious feet pin. Heritage House is proud of nearly 50 years of standing shoulder to shoulder with pro-life advocates like you. Supporting our sponsors, like Heritage House, supports the Pro-Life Team podcast. Thank you. These podcasts are not scripted. The ideas presented may not be the official position of the speakers or sponsors. These podcasts are freeform dialogues that may include brainstorming and trying on ideas to see how they fit. Please walk with us as we share stories and ideas. Awesome. Yeah, actually at the uh, Alliance for Life Missouri Conference, you played your guitar and sang yeah. one of the worship songs and I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> so so tell tell us about um you know tell what what does uh if not for grace ministries do like what what service do you provide what's the um what what are you how how are you serving women that you're you're helping Sure um so we do like I said primarily um abortion healing abortion recovery so um we work closely with a lot of pro life organizations but we do not serve women who are facing a crisis pregnancy we serve the women who have made the abortion decision, whether it's a client from a pregnancy center, a volunteer, a staff person. Um, we just know that there's a lot of healing that needs to happen for those who want to either engage in this uh, work, this pro-life work, and or those that we serve. So the way we do that, and we do that one of three ways, we um, offer weekly abortion recovery groups. We have about four to five sessions of those each year. They run about nine weeks um, and about two hours each week. And we try to do this in a group setting. We have found that women and men alike who have abortion in their background tend to keep it very private because of the shame and regret that they feel. And so being a part of a group brings a lot of healing as they hear other people's stories and ways that they have dealt and, and been impacted themselves. So we do that, um, like I said, about four to five times a year. Um, the beautiful thing that COVID actually opened up for us is moving our groups online. So instead of physically being in the Kansas City metro area, we're not able to serve all across the country and even um, across the globe in some instances. So um, 
We do that for women and men. Our men's group is a little bit um, shorter. Um, as you can imagine, men don't like to talk as much. So we try to just meet them where they are. Um, and those tend to be more one-on-one -on -one right now. Um, but we're hoping as more men reach out, we'll be able to facilitate more groups. So they do the recovery group. And then uh, we invite them to what we call reconciliation weekend. And this is not mutually exclusive to those who've gone to the group. Um, our philosophy is if you can't give us nine weeks, we'd love to serve you over a weekend. And so this weekend um, experience is actually how I got involved as a worship leader. Um, I got invited to come do the music portion of this retreat. And um, what this is, is a real intense, um, you have to know it's deep, um, but we take women and men, participants of couples, singles um, alike, through different interactions that Jesus had here on earth as he um, served and helped those who were hurting. And our hope is that they'll be able to see themselves within those stories and understand the forgiveness and the um, just restoration that God wants to bring to their life. And so this weekend retreat ends in a memorial service for their children. And we have found this to be an incredibly important part of their healing process. They're able to recognize, bring honor, bring dignity to this life that was lost and with the promise and the hope that they are in heaven with Jesus and someday they'll be able to see them again. And so um, the next part of our ministry, which I think um, helps us stand out a little bit from other abortion recovery ministries is what we call next steps. So like I said, many people keep um, other Christians, other believers, church leaders um, they at arm's length because they don't want people to know this secret that they've been holding on to. And so we just want to encourage them to continue to grow in their relationship with God. And so we create a very safe community um, of other women and men who have gone through similar experiences. And we continue to work on um, the areas of shame, um, of self-esteem, of anger, of forgiveness. And then we also try to get them plugged into local church communities because at the end of the day, we want them to go out living their kingdom purpose. We want them to walk in the freedom that they have in Christ. And so it's a discipleship and mentorship and just continuing to equip them and empower them to live the life that we know God wants them to have. Wow. And so it's, it's interesting that you were, well, that you were brought on right before the pandemic. And then, you know, through that tragedy, um, you know, the growth of going mm -hmm. beyond Missouri or beyond Kansas City. Was that what you said? Yes. yes. Okay. So essentially now you're serving, well, remotely. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what was that like? What was that like to go from local to to serving remotely um, nationally and internationally? Um, the, short, the short answer is overwhelming, um, but overwhelmingly exciting. Um, when we moved, we were in the middle of a session in March of 2020 when everything shut down. So when I came on in 2019, I'm right in that demographic where I grew up with technology. Um, and so I'm not afraid of technology and I was trying to push us to move to an online offering. And so God just kind of pushed us right into that, which was which was hard, but also opened a lot of eyes that, number one, God is not limited by technology. It's a little clunky sometimes, and there's connectivity problems and um, just challenges that come with it all, but um, we've seen God show up. So it was interesting. Um, what was really exciting is in the past, 
when someone would find us online and they weren't in the local area, we had to work really hard to find them resources in the community that they were in. Occasionally someone would come call in and do a one-on-one -on -one session. But as I mentioned earlier, the group setting is just so much more effective in their healing process. So um, yeah, it was, it was interesting to teach um, a lot of people new technology and to roll with it and recognize that what we had been doing for 17 plus years, while still very effective, was not the doors that God was opening. And so when we stepped into that, we went from serving, you know, 15 to 20 ladies locally to like 80, we had like 87 that we've served this year. And so, yeah. but the overwhelming part of that is as you look up and look out, um, you realize how much need there is and there's not enough people doing this work to really serve those who are, are needing help. So that's the overwhelming part. It's exciting from a numbers perspective, but from an actual care perspective, we need more people to join us in this work um, so that we can serve all the people that need the help that they, that they so, they don't even know they need sometimes. So I also, I think it's really interesting that, that um, you were, a, so you were a worship leader at one of, at a, uh, a weekend retreat, I was, I'm, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that, you, that's how you were invited into this group or this ministry. And that was, and so at now as the executive director, are you still able to um, act as the worship leader and ha or have you had to step down from that part of your participation? I would do it every time if I could. Um, I share this many times. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a great, my grandfather's a pastor. Three of my uncles are pastors. I grew up in church, but doing that retreat that first time was utterly life-changing to see God show up and someone change from Friday to Sunday. So hey. uh, much to my board, board chagrin, I have done a lot of the retreats still as a worship leader, as volunteer. Um, I have tried to reach out to some other people, but it always ends up falling through because it's a, it's a commitment, but we have a few people now that are um, kind of ready and poised to take over. But I have asked everyone, can I at least do one a year because it's just it's a reminder of what why why I do what I do and what we do why we do what we do so um, I don't ever want to lose the connection um, to what what God does on those weekends. Yeah, and I think music is such an important part when it comes to connecting with, well, praising God and connecting with God and hearing certain messages that mm -hmm. um, spoken word. It, you know, we we hear it differently when we're singing it and we're participating in. I don't know, it's just, it's a very remarkable experience. And um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting that that's part of your origin story is that you were brought in through the, through the, through the band or through the music. Yeah. <laughs> I, I might add, that's really add, cool. add to, um, I've been involved in multiple church music scenarios and um, the, the lights, the stage, the, the microphones, the technology, you know, just the pageantry of it all, which it can be very fun to be part of is not really ever been my heart. And so when this opportunity came around, um, I wasn't that familiar with the ministry, but the idea of a small intimate gathering where the music um, is setting the stage for the Holy Spirit to really speak, like the way it's set up is and everyone's in a circle um, and I'm out or the musicians outside of the circle. So you're not even really like, no one's looking at you, no one. So it's not about you. It's about creating the space for God to, to, 
be able to speak to people and kind of help those walls come down. And so I think that's why it was so impactful for me is being reminded that God doesn't necessarily need us. He just wants obedient, willing people to, to, you know, take a step of faith and give what they have. I mean, I will be the first to tell you, I'm not the most amazing worship leader in the world, but it doesn't matter because, um, God just wants us to serve people that are hurting. And so, so what I did, I was scared to death. And I got to tell you, when you see people start crying and being set free and you're trying to sing, that's hard. And so I had to learn yeah. how to, you know, kind of set myself outside of that so that I can stay focused on what they need. Um, but anyway, I could talk about that for hours, but it's yeah, beautiful. No, that was, beautiful. That, yeah. Well, yeah. So let's dive into, um, some some stories of where you've seen God's fingerprint and the lives of those you know who have been helped and and rescued or healed. Um, yeah, tell us a story. Okay, I'm going to tell you two stories. I think if we have time, okay. the first sure first set of story I stories I want to tell is that my very first weekend on staff. So I've done a few of these weekend retreats before. Um, but my very first weekend on staff, we had kind of a scheduling issue with our venue and had to, at the very last minute, reschedule our venue. And it was stressful. And But we're not surprised by that. And there's always a lot of attack that comes when we know that God wants to work in people's lives. So it all worked out. We found a new venue. We had five couples that came. Um, so a husband and wife and of the five couples, four of the dads were the father, um, that was part of that abortion decision. So that was a huge, um, deal for us. Normally that's not our, you know, we don't normally get both people involved. And so, um, we had a lot of expectation, a lot of prayer went into that, that weekend. Um, we walked in and so many of those couples, you could have you know, you felt the chill between them. There had been a lot of struggle in their marriage because of this decision that they were making. One in particular, you could tell, they even told us this was kind of our last thing together to try to heal our marriage and to move forward. And so um, we go into it, everybody's nervous. Um, and this one older couple just jumped in with both feet. And because they were older, been married a little bit longer than everyone else. It led everyone else to really fully engage. And by the end of that weekend, you know, there were people were sitting close to together. There was um, physical touch happening. Um, a lot of healing happened right before our eyes. So that was amazing to see God um, just restore not only them as individuals as they, you know, acknowledge what had happened and then recognize their children together, but then to see their marriage and their family now become whole because um, they had kind of brought into the light this thing that had been, you know, deeply held as a secret. Um, and so that's been really cool. And we've seen that happen over and over again. Uh, but that one particular weekend to see it happen five times over was just beautiful. And then just recently, we had a lady reach out. She was um, from Canada. Um, so that was exciting because we're reaching beyond the United States. And um, she um, had just recently had her abortion. And so something I should have mentioned before is um, up until about 2021, most of the women that reached out um, were women who had had abortions 10, 15, 20, even 30 years prior. Um, in mm -hmm. the last 18 months to almost two years now, the women that are reaching out have had abortions two weeks ago, three days ago, three months ago. And so um they're finding us and reaching out for help sooner, which is super 
exciting because we don't want them to be living in that shame and in that, and that weight for 20, 30 years. Um, that does mean our approach has to shift a little bit because um, someone who has had something horrible happen to them a long time ago needs different care than someone who's still maybe dealing with the traumatic effects of that. But that that's beside the point. So this lady reached out to us in um, the spring, I want to say, and she had, had the abortion, um, been coerced by her boyfriend, um, didn't feel like she had any support. and um, was just utterly devastated right after it happened. Um, she uh, participated in a chemical abortion at home. Um, so that's a whole nother level of trauma that women go through. And so her being so far away um, was tricky because we knew she needed a lot of care. And um, so we got her connected to what we call a care, a care coach. And a care coach is somebody who um, is not a facilitator for our group, isn't someone on staff. But is someone, um, like I said, we've reached 87 people, but if we don't reach all of those people well and with um, great individuality and um, just listening to them and meeting their needs and don't try to fit them in our mold of our program, then what are we doing? So the care coach is um, just kind of designed to, hey, um, I'm just going to check in on you every other day or so, see how you're doing. Um, kind of be your cheerleader through this process. So we got her connected with a care coach. Um, this young lady did not go to attend church, did not know much of anything about God, but just knew that God might be the solution to the pain that she was feeling. And so as you can imagine, um, those of us who have known the Lord for a long time, and even our program is very um, faith-based, And we didn't want to throw too much at her and have her be overwhelmed by what she didn't know. And so this care coach just took a lot of time and really introduced her to who Jesus was. And so through that process, um, even before our group began, and then as the group went on, they would process, well, what do you think this means? We have our ladies read through the book of John while they're going through our recovery group as well. And if you've ever read the book of John, it is a beautiful picture of who Jesus was and um, she met him and he changed her life. And so our care coach did a lot of research, found a local church up in um, the area that she lived and she got plugged in. She's found a small group. She's found community. And we actually just two weeks ago got a video where she got baptized. She sent it to us. And so um, it is beautiful to see what the enemy meant for evil in someone's life. God has now brought good beauty out of ashes. Mm. I mean, that's what we're all about. And so that is new for us. That has not really been, we've had that happen a few times over the last 20 years, um, but we're seeing that more and more consistently. And so we're even more excited to, to take this work we do and bring the hope of the gospel to people who've never, ever even heard it. And um, it's an odd way for us to do that, but God's just like, you know, step back and let me do what I'm going to do. And um, we're just seeing people, if they don't know the Lord, coming to know the Lord, and if they do, just their faith strengthened in a way that will make them so effective for the kingdom of God as they move forward. So so would you say that over the last 17 years, most participants were people who had, were, who were essentially had become believers or were believers at some point? And then over the last three years, um, you've been having unbelievers reach out like is that is that 
how, how, yeah, I wonder, yeah, that's, that's very interesting that you're, mm-hmm. uh, the unbelievers are reaching out for healing and help and help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, and, and, and so, yeah, and part of that journey is to introduce them to Jesus in order to mm-hmm. actually experience the healing, mm-hmm. um, because without Jesus, w- without Jesus, how much healing are they able to get? Right. Or is that, is, is there even really a pathway towards true healing unless they, have you know establish relationship with Jesus there are there is another organization out there that does have a secular um approach um that I think is effective in the fact that it kind of helps people understand that they need help and that they need okay. um healing I've not done a lot of research into how they bridge the gap because they're a Christian organization but how they bridge the gap into now how do we get you um, seeking after God and having him change your life. Um, so, but they do that well. And so we don't need to do that. We can always, if we have somebody who's like, you know, I don't want anything to do about with God or faith or anything, then we have a very strong referral that we can pass on. But what's amazing is we, we don't, we don't sugarcoat it. We don't bait and switch anyone from the very beginning. We say, okay, you know, I just want you to understand this is a faith-based approach. We follow the Bible. We, we read a lot of scripture. How do you feel about that? And almost always they will say, I mean, I've tried everything else. This is, the la- this is my last hope. And so I will say it's not always successful. Um, you know, someone jumps in, they think they're ready and um, they're just not. And sometimes I wonder if it's that we're a little bit too, they just, I don't have that Holy Spirit yet to really help them process and interpret what we're trying to help them understand. Um, but we've rarely had anyone who has quit under those circumstances say that they didn't feel loved and supported through the process. And um, we've had pretty good success rate that they'll stop. And then months later, we'll, we'll come back. So it just is a, we just want to meet people where they are, but we also don't don't believe that true healing can happen without Christ. Um, we don't want anyone to ever think, yeah. Oh, I did six weeks of healing work and I'm good. No, that's just not the reality. Um, we, but we want to make sure we, it's that in relationship. We're not just throwing scripture at them and hoping something sticks. We want them to know their love, no matter where they're coming from. Yeah. It, it, it seems like it'd probably be true to say, you know, after six weeks, you can be, you know, you can identify the road mm-hmm. towards, towards healing and continue on down that road, um, with, with progress to be made into the future. Cause yeah, there's always seems to be, it's, it's a journey. It's not like we ever complete things when it comes to right. Jesus. It's more of like an ongoing experience. We say that all the um, time. Healing is a journey. Yeah. It's like an onion, you know, something gets peeled off and we have women. I mean, one of our staff ladies has been involved with the ministry. Lots of crying with onions, yes, too. Yes, yes, exactly. Maybe 15, 16 years now, and she still, you know, she'll go, she'll be facilitating a group, and God just brings healing, more healing to a certain area of her life. And that's beautiful because we know that He is never done with us, that He wants to continually bring hope and healing to our lives. And so that's something that we can speak from actual experience to the ladies that we serve. Like, this has been our journey. Um, and then I can show you, tell you now, 20 years later, I'm still healed. I'm still healing. I'm still having God, um, just bring to light things that I need to work through. So with, with that, this transition from, you know, that, 
where, where people who didn't didn't have a faith or uh, were not followers of Jesus were reaching out for help. Um, what is it? Is it a cultural change? Is it something you your team did differently? Were you mm-hmm. postured differently? What might have been the the agent of change that mm-hmm. might have helped you reach the that population or that demographic? I love this question. I'm so glad you asked it. Um, I only have speculation because I'm not a research scientist. Um, But I think there's two things we've done that has maybe helped us be more safe for people. Um, We have really stayed out of the political narrative. Um, When Roe versus Wade was overturned in June, when the elections were happening, you know, in 2020, all of that, um, while we have a very pro-life stance, of course, and we don't want the the devastation of abortion to touch the life of the child or the mom or the family, um, we want to make sure that no matter what where you stand, when you come to us, you feel safe and loved. We know that the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit's job to change someone's heart. And so we offer the truth. We don't we don't sugarcoat it, like I said. But we also aren't going to publicly get out and, you know, shake our finger at the world and say, you're wrong for believing this way. Um, We just want to, by example, love people right where they are. So I think that has been uh, one of the ways that we've been able to reach people outside of maybe the faith community because they get on our social media, they get on our website, and there's nothing political. And I'm not saying that's wrong. That's just not what God has called us to do. Um, And then the other thing, too, is I think personally, those of us involved in the ministry have done the same thing. We have been very careful within our own personal narratives and um, learning how to have grace and compassion around this topic um, makes us more approachable. And so even just within our, you know, staff volunteer base, we've had lots of people willing to reach out for help because they're like, okay, we're watching you and you're not hateful. You're not um, being divisive. Um, but it, it's a double-edged sword because I've also had people ask me, what do you really believe about abortion? You know, the people who I think would totally get it. Um, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, but I would rather people be wondering and reach out for help and let us share our hearts than have them make a very like firm decision. Well, I don't want to talk to them. Um, so I think that answers your question. Yeah, that, that definitely does. Um, was there a change three years ago that you might've changed your posturing or has that been the posturing for a long time? I think they've done a pretty good job. Um, just making sure that we were safe for everyone. Um, I can't speak a lot to what happened before, because like I said before, there wasn't a lot of technology technology usage. So um, unless I want to go through years of binders and file folders, it's hard, oh, no, to, it's know, a... <laughs> hard to know exactly what, what people were saying out in the world. But um, just well, face- And also before three years ago, you weren't, you know, national or beyond right. Kansas right. City, Missouri. Right. So there, it's really not a fair comparison, I guess, because, you know, local versus uh, remote slash online mm-hmm. is a very, yeah, essentially you have to sort of just look at the remote slash online, I guess, right. to really understand how you're reaching those people that are reaching, who are responding. Yeah. 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 Um, and when I work, we work with Pricey Clinics a great deal mm-hmm. and a Pricey Clinic will usually have two websites, one that's client facing and then one that's donor facing and the client facing one, we're trying to meet the client where she's at, um, you know, on the, you know, let's say she's 
you know, traveling from one one story to the to the next up a flight of stairs to the next story, we really want to meet her on the step that she's currently on, mm -hmm. and then help her get to the next step out of you know ten steps or whatever it happens to be to get to the next uh the next floor, mm -hmm. and and if we try and bring too much too quickly, um you know very likely she'll decide it's not you know it's it may trip her up and mm -hmm. send her back to Google to try again, um right. and. And our goal is for her to become part of that pro-life donor support community, but at the same time, we have to respect where she's at and mm -hmm. and and look at look at something that's going to be helpful for where she's at to help her go in the in a helpful direction. And so I completely understand, yeah, that neutral and yeah, meeting someone where where they are more so than spilling out everything on step one and then it's just overwhelming. Right. Well, yeah. we we just we really have to stay outside of the politics of it all because we're we're dealing with people who already made that decision we can't change their decision we can change their mindset we can change their like advocacy and the what they support but we can't go back in time and unmake the decision for them and so if we are too um if we come across too judgmental and too harsh on our stance i think the and once again i I don't have any problem with people who are called to be very um, black and white because it is very black and white. I mean, life is lost. Devastation happens. But we recognize after hundreds and hundreds of stories that the decision of, um, to have an abortion is very complicated. There are so many factors that lead women and men alike to make that decision. And so um, one of the challenges that uh, I always say to people is um, when the election was happening, and I guess really we just had the, whatever was the, prime, the midterms or whatever, people kept saying, I'm a one issue voter, I'm a one issue voter, like very publicly. And it comes down to that for me many times as well, but I'm careful. I mean, I guess this is public, but I'm careful for what I say, because if I have somebody in my life who's had an abortion, but also is in stuck in a system that's really um, unfair and they're stuck in poverty and they're, they're not being supported in, in ways that they should be from the church or people around them. I've completely negated all these other issues that they deal with by saying, I only care about this one thing. And so just being careful, I don't know the stories of everyone around me. And so I just want to be mindful all the time. And I mean, the Bible's really clear. Don't be lukewarm. Be clear about what you believe, but do it in love. Do it in a, in a place of relationship. Um, so once I get to know someone, I mean, there's no doubt I tell people exactly how I feel and how, what I believe and what I stand for. But until I know that about you, um, even with our clients as well, we want to get to know where did you come from? What led to your decision? Going back to what you we were talking about, when they're just a couple of days, a couple of weeks outside of their abortion decision, they're often still in those situations that cause them to make that decision. So how mm -hmm. can we help you? What are the yeah. areas of your life that you need support? And so it's just been a total, I've, I've told our board, it's like turning a cruise ship. You know, we were going one way for so long and we're, we're still going to that destination, but we're having to kind of turn the way that we we operate so that we can meet people's needs. And so it's just been, there's so many needs, it can get overwhelming, but I'd rather help 12 people and do it really, really well because a life that's changed has such big ripple effects in the communities that they live in. And so numbers don't really matter. Although it's hard as an executive director, you are held to numbers and statistics. At the end of the day, I know someday 
all I'm being held accountable for is, did I love people well? And did I share the truth with them? And did I um, just live abund- uh, obediently and poured out for Christ? And so I just have to keep that my focus all the time. So this summer, when all that chaos was happening, I got very overwhelmed. And I just heard the Lord say, Renee, just help the next person who fills out an intake. Don't worry about all the people and all the lies and all of the noise. Just help the next person. And Man. so I was just deep breath. Okay. And the floodgates kind of opened. And so we've just steadily been helping the next person, the next person. Um, so that's, I think I got off topic, but <laughs> no, no, that's perfectly on. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So I want to ask you, um, when Jesus was at the, at the well and there was the woman there, um, you know, who had multiple husbands, uh, or it was living at someone else's house and so on, How, you know, when you're saying, you know, uh, things are black and white, but at the same time, Jesus offered her mercy mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and, and didn't come down like a hammer. And so mm-hmm. I think that ref- when, when you were talking, it made me think of that. And then also like when Jesus was on the cross and you said, father, forgive mm-hmm. them for they don't know what they do. Again, a black and white issue, you know, mm-hmm. you know, killing an innocent you know, man, Jesus. And here he is asking for forgiveness. So while it's black and white, it's also, you know, grace and mercy mm-hmm. um, are, are a different layer. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> or, or absolutely. They're, they're, yeah. And so I think that, I think you're, you know, it's not it, black and white. It's not the only layer to look at. Like there, there's also grace and mercy, which are, and the whole point of grace and mercy is to go beyond the black and white. Otherwise it wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like by definition, like what they are. Mm-hmm. So I think I think by going beyond the black and white and offering someone goodness when they don't deserve it or they haven't, yeah, I mean that's grace and mercy. Yeah, um, we we actually so, talk about the woman at the well at, at one of our at our retreat, and what I love about that story is what you just said, but also she's the first person that he reveals that he's the Messiah, and so just the picture of yes. with all of that dysfunction and all of that sin in her life. God still had huge purpose for her testimony. And so I love being able to share that hope with the women and men we serve uh, because they do, they, they come to the well at the middle of the day, they avoid everyone, you know, and it just to open up their eyes that God can use this thing that has happened in your life and not even just that thing. There's so many things that happen to lead to that decision that they may have shame about. And so God's going to use that story for his glory and for the good of those around you. And um, I think that's when, when we get to that part, you start seeing everybody like they sit up a little taller, like they start realizing God, God's going to use them if he, if they let him. Yeah. And I think like, I can imagine myself being that woman at the well, you know, broken with sin not knowing that Jesus knows who I am. Mm-hmm. And so when he, you know, you know, essentially shows his understanding and, and his loving direction, I mean, it's just, it's, a, yeah. it's an example for everyone to feel invited towards a, a, you know, a positive response mm-hmm. and a, you know, a change or a, a positive turn into the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so now I've lost track of where I want to go next. <laughs> let's see. So, um, oh, well, let's see. So we went over some good stories. We, um, oh, uh, so, and I was sort of in my mind thinking that I was trying to figure out like what, what's new when it comes mm-hmm. to helping reach the 
the unbelieving, you know, the person that may not be following Jesus. And I think the answer is to to meet them. Yeah, I, I guess the answer is to be neutral or to not have that political roadblock or mm-hmm. um, yeah, attention that's not needed that will drive someone to try somewhere else for help. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think I, as you were saying, it's mostly pregnancy center directors that listen to this. My, I don't know if the right word is admonition or or counsel to each and every one of you that might be listening is um, because of the work you do. Um, I mean, there there is an element of you have to be somewhat political. You have so don't hear that you're wrong or we think you're wrong. Or that's why we exist so that you can do what you need to do. Um, but I would highly recommend that you um, do some training at your centers, which we we offer as well. I didn't mention that, but um, just how to have compassionate conversations. Because so often people come to volunteer at your centers or to work at your centers, and this is part of their background, and this is the way they're trying to, um, you know, pay, pay the Lord back for the decision that they made. And whether they go through our healing or someone else's healing, just to encourage them or make it a requirement that they need to go through healing. We had a gentleman that um, was served at a local pregnancy center here that um, had, he came to us, he came to one of our weekends, and he's actually very instrumental in helping us get our men's program going. Um, But he would go into those counseling rooms and he would talk to those young men and he was doing a great job. I mean, his success rate with helping people change their minds was, or make a better decision was pretty high. But the minute he left that counseling room, the enemy would just attack him all night long. You saved that baby, but you didn't save the two mm. that, you know, you aborted. And so he needed that piece of that healing to, uh, so the enemy didn't have a foothold. And so he went through it and it just was life-changing for him. I mean, it just brought so much healing to his marriage, to his family. He was able to talk to his kids. It just, so you don't, you can know the Lord. You can be very far along in your faith journey, um, but if the enemy has a bit of a foothold. So as a center leaders, I would just be very sensitive. Sometimes we get in these bubbles and we're talking at our, with our coworkers and we can be very, um, uh, unguarded about our political beliefs or whatever, because we all think we're in the same boat. And um, you may not know that, oh, you know, this person who's been volunteering for a few months actually had an abortion, never told us, it's not your fault. But to just be always kind and compassionate, um, you know, you don't want to be thrown out there, I just can't believe someone did that. I, I could never do that. You know, just those are things we all probably have felt in our own hearts before, but publicly and verbally and, you know, around others to be very mindful. And so a great thing to do is to have training for your staff um, or just go through, um, you know, some sort of program about compassionate talk or what trauma informed care is, how to meet people um when they've gone through trauma, whether it's through their abortion or things in the past, we don't want to re-trigger people and think we're serving them. And really we've just re-hurt them. (laughs) And so there's so many layers to this that I would just encourage each and every center leader to become more aware of the things that people are bringing in, whether they're clients, volunteers, or staff, there's a lot of ways the enemy tries to hold people back and anything we can do to provide avenues for freedom is good. So we would love to talk to anyone about that. And we by no means are experts, but we're seeing a lot of success with those that we, the pregnancy centers that we work with, um, just that they are 
having healthier people serve their clients, which is going to be a win-win all around. So when a church has like a small group Bible study and it's helping people confess or you know, it's a confessional community, maybe perhaps involved, and it starts to get to the level where it goes beyond the the skills of that Bible study to take mm-hmm. on like trauma related um, pieces, like on the scale of one to 10, maybe they start to hit the seven and eight area mm-hmm. and it starts to get pretty hard. Is that, you know, would that be a reasonable reason for someone to reach out to your group in order to try and help out with some of those seven plus um, on the Richter scale uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to trauma being brought up out of a small group and then that might be a way to sort of transition from that small group without the right training and mm-hmm. counseling skills to maybe into a, a group that's able to handle those more difficult trauma-based um, stories and pieces in someone's life. Is that reasonable? Uh, yes, I would say it depends on what the story is. I mean, like I said, we're not experts. However, we're very connected with people who could provide help. So okay. we do a lot of referrals um, for like when, when someone comes into our um, ministry and they want to deal with their abortion, but through the intake process, we realize there's been sexual abuse in their background and they're really kind of stuck there. We will say, you know, pause. There's an organization called Save One that has a really good um, uh, service called Sexual Soul Ties, I think, or something like that. And so we, we have no issue with, it's not about the number. It's not about your body that counts in our end of the year statistics. We just want to make sure so we would provide that. So if someone brought up an abortion, but then we realize there's more issues, like in a small group, they could absolutely reach out to us. I can't guarantee we can meet their needs, but we would do our best. We're connected nationally to other organizations that have resources, and we can be kind of their champion, making sure they get connected and moving forward. So I think, yes, we would love to help anyone, but just know that we're not licensed trained counselors. We're just peer counselors. Um, or like I said, we're just willing vessels. And so, but we're not uh, beyond saying, you know, hey, this is beyond what we can do. Um, but here, let's get you the help that you need through this organization or this person. So do you happen to have like one weekend retreat game plan for believers and a different one for for a mixed audience of believers and people that don't know Jesus yet? No. Um, and I think that's what's really unique about our retreat. Our retreat is very um, intense. However, it's very, um, what's the right word? Entry level appropriate. Um, so okay. we don't, we don't um, they're not required to make some sort of statement of faith at the end or anything. All we do is we okay. offer these stories that of Jesus helping people and help them process where they could fit into those stories. So um, we've had people that we're kind of on the fringe that walked away still fully impacted. And I wouldn't know for sure if they're still in church or anything, but they were definitely impacted by the way we, you know, we explain how Jesus loved people. So what, what sort of activities um, would someone experience at a, ret- at a weekend retreat? Um, so yeah, there, we like to tell people just trust us um, because it's pretty intimate and it might feel a little weird from time to time. But at the end of the day, we want what's best for you. And we've been doing this a long time. And so it's very multi-sensory. There's a lot of um, active participation where um, we'll do things like um, our first session, we identify with the woman caught in the act of adultery. 
And so um, they're invited to pick up a rock and the rock represents the condemnation and the lies they believe. And we do an activity with that. Um, and on Saturday, we do an activity with the women caught in the issue of blood. And so um, we have people who will act out skits and we always joke, you know, they're not Academy Award winning skits, <laughs> uh, but there's, we just, you know, people learn in different ways. And so you never know what parts of the weekend are going to really meet that one person's need versus someone else's. And so we have them act out this skit. And then the guy who plays Jesus leaves his cloak in the middle of the floor. And then we do an activity of like, we want you to t reach out and touch the cloak. So it's just things like that. It's like tactile, sensory. Um, and then they'll experience the um, activity. And then when they're done with the activity, we spend process time. So we keep the retreats small. We try not to have more than about six to eight participants because we ask them lots of questions like, what did you, what did you feel? Why did you choose the rock that you chose? Uh, what does it feel? What would it feel like if you laid that rock down and didn't carry that weight of condemnation anymore? So um, just a lot that of participatory, is. but I mean, we, we've had some retreats where people are a little hesitant, but once the, once the walls come down, I mean, it's beautiful to see how they feed off of each other, how they learn from each other. Um, and then on Saturday morning, also, they have an opportunity to share their story, their testimony, not just their abortion story, but kind of their background, their, their childhood. Um, and so that's very healing for some of these women and men because they've never heard someone else's story before if they haven't gone through our group. And so that's a really beautiful time to see kind of, oh, okay, I'm not alone. That's exactly how I felt. And so they, they kind of bond at that point. So it's a lot of different things. Um, I don't want to give too much away because it, it might take oh, away no. from someone's experience, but it, hopefully that gives you a snapshot of just, we just tell them trust us. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, so, if, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, since the, yeah, with all the textile pieces in play, um, so when it comes to the remote experience, you know, two hours a week for so many weeks in a row, mm -hmm. what's the, um, it, 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 do you, do you feel like people have a better experience with one or the other, uh, or do you have plans maybe in the future to put together, if there's a group of six to eight in a new state, like what would that look like down the road? Sure. Um, but yeah, I guess what, which one is. You know, I guess when it comes to the benefits of the textile and the, you know, mm -hmm. picking up the rock and putting it down and touching things, um, how does that compare to, you know, the, 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 the Zoom or the online alternative? Uh, well, it's two different things. So the Zoom group is not the same as the retreat. So um, oh, okay. what's really interesting, I, I'm glad you asked this question because when COVID hit and we moved online and started reaching women from all over, I thought, okay, the weekend retreats are probably just going to die because, you know, people aren't going to fly in to Missouri for this retreat. And I was wrong. People are buying plane tickets and they're flying in to Kansas city. We also um, have a retreat spot in Springfield, Missouri, and it has been amazing. So I would say for the retreat, um, we, we know of some groups that do virtual retreats. I, I don't think I'm interested in that. If someone wanted that, I would refer that on. Um, but we also have donors and um, people who are willing to donate airline miles and cover scholarships. And so we've yet to have someone who really wanted to come um, have not be able to come. Um, they'll take, it's beautiful. I mean, it just blows your mind, but it's because they build such a bond in that group, that week to week group, that they're just, they want so desperately to touch us, to hug us, to be in the uh. same room with us. And so we're seeing God just continue that ministry. I wouldn't say it's booming, 
um, because it is hard if you live really far away. Um, but we have had plenty of people fly in. So we're just like, okay, we're just going to keep doing it in those. But we are trying to get connected with other retreat ministries that are more, there's a few that have multiple locations all over the country. So once we kind of know where they are and what, what their schedules are, we refer them on. If you would like a retreat experience, here's a great one you can go to. Well, that's good. Well, so Renee, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap things up? And then, and then if, if yeah, whatever that happens to be, would you then maybe close us in like an encouraging prayer that people could consider praying as they're wrapping up this podcast and trying to take in these ideas? Yeah, well, um, just thank you for having me on. Um, I think one of my biggest um, frustrations is probably the best word to use. It's just people don't know that there is abortion healing. And so any opportunity that I have to be able to share on any sort of platform that might reach more than two people is super exciting. Um, and as a person in the pro-life work that you might be doing, um, don't feel discouraged if this is something that you can't do or you don't have capacity to engage in because we're here and there's multiple ministries that do an excellent job. And so just becoming aware that there's services like this out here is huge. And so the other thing I, I would say is as I've been doing this work um, on staff for three years, I hear over and over again, well, we just don't do that or that's not something we offer. And I would just say like, I, I would challenge you that I feel like that's not acceptable answer anymore. Statistics say one in four women will have an abortion. And so, and I would say it's even higher just with the chemical abortion, but that's a discussion for another day. And so if you don't do it, if you can't do it, there's not somewhere local, get resources like ours on your website, get your staff trained on how to have these conversations, how to pass people off. When they're in the middle of their crisis pregnancy, this is not the time to deal with their abortion. Now, you're building a relationship with them, a place of safety with them, but you'll have a relationship with them a year or two down the road. They might come back and volunteer at your, at your center or whatever. And so just making sure that you're aware and passing along the message that God wants to bring hope and restoration to your life is huge. And so that, I mean, if, if there's anything that I could be thankful for is the way God has opened doors for us just to continue to share that there's healing, that there's hope, that there's freedom, that there's purpose. Um, this is not the end of your story. This is not what identifies you as a person. It is something that happened, that God has died on the cross and saved you from if you accept him. And so we just want to bring that message to each and every person so that you can move on and live on in the freedom and purpose that he has for you. So before you end this in prayer, Renee, I guess we'll have one more question. So if an executive director wanted to um, audit the mm -hmm. experience of, of, the, um, of the weekly uh, gathering online um, in order to then be able to say to her board, like, I went through this and I can mm -hmm. say, I can tell you about my experience. I can tell you about what was being shared. Would that be something that they could do or would that have to be like a special group in order to, you know, or would she just, would you invite an executive director to join a normal group or what would that look like for her to like audit the experience before referring yeah. um, clients to this experience? I would love nothing more than to have someone join us. So we, um, we have 
we always have like a mentee that is training. We've had people just sit in and observe. We tell our clients, you know, they have to sign the same confidentiality. They're going through the same training. Um, but I would like nothing more. And then we do offer about two to three times a year. We do a five-hour training, which can be done via Zoom or in person. We just did one last Saturday. We had 11 people there. It was amazing. And so um, that would be a great way to kind of get in the weeds with what we do. Um, but if they ever wanted to sit through a group, we would welcome that. Because if anything, number one, it opens their eyes to what can happen when people go through healing. It might excite them and give them a picture of like, hey, we can do this. And we would love to equip you. We can't, there's only five of us, you know, we can't do it all. And so if we can excite you into doing it. Um, so we would, we, we welcome it either way. We want, either want to help you get going with your own thing or we want you to be confident that if you refer someone, they're going to be taken care of very well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then that that person who may be hesitant, uh, that that would definitely help build confidence mm -hmm. in, in the decision and being able to explain to the board the benefits and how it would impact and reach their clients with this with this need. So that makes yes. a lot of sense. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so would you close this in prayer? Sure. And and uh, yeah, thank you so much, Renee. You're welcome. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you loved us so very much to send your son to die for us and to give us um, just a, a reason to live and a reason to serve you. Um, I just thank you for this work that you've placed before us. I thank you for all of the obedient hearts that are going to be listening to this podcast and the the work that they do, the work that goes unseen and unnoticed um, by everyone else. God, I just pray a special blessing over each and every life, each and every family. Um, God, I just thank you for the ways you're moving in our culture, that um, you're shedding light on the truth of when life begins and um, the the effects of abortion and the um, just the devastation that can happen afterwards, God, that you're just bringing people um, boldly to share their stories and to bring the truth. I just pray you continue to raise up people who are willing to share. Um, God, I pray for open doors for each and every one of us in the communities that we serve, that churches would be um, set on fire to reach um, this population of women and men who either face these unplanned pregnancies um, or those who have made this decision. God, may these women and men um, feel welcomed and loved and accepted just as they are. May your Holy Spirit just be in each and every one of our words and actions and processes and procedures so that you can come in and change hearts and lives. I thank you for your faithfulness. Um, thank you for the faithfulness of donors and um, just resources that you've brought to each and every one of us. I pray for more. Um, there can never be enough, God, and we know that you are the giver and sustainer of each and every one of us. So I just thank you um, for the hearts that are represented here in this community. I pray for each and every one of the clients that have come to us and who have yet to come to us, God, that you'll continue to work and bring them closer to you. We love you and we thank you in your name. Amen. Our sponsor for this episode is irapture.com. Dot com. That's I-R-A-P as in Paul, T as in Tom, U-R-E dot com. com provides intelligent, mission-minded marketing for pregnancy clinics. 
Irish.com helps pregnancy clinics reach clients at risk of choosing abortion through content marketing. For help reaching your audience, contact irapture.com. Supporting our sponsors like irapture.com supports the Pro-Life Team podcast. Thank you. Shepherd, I shall not be in want. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green. 